Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Drifting Prime, and I am the host, Gerald Hernandez, and this week's guest is Blake Vanthoff. Uh, he's been on before earlier this year uh, to discuss when he first decided to go into Pro-Am, and that is episode 14, if you guys want to touch base on that, um, just to kind of get a filler of what we originally talked about, and here today to see how his first season went in Pro-Am, uh, what he plans on doing next year and maybe kind of how things his goals have changed rather but i hope you guys enjoy the show thank you for listening what's up man how you been dude uh, not bad how about you uh i am doing not too bad um you know things uh things are are, are moving along so yeah, just gotta keep on trucking that's all it is uh just keep on going as as the the great joe dirte says you just gotta keep on keeping on that's right all right so what's up man uh let's uh let's get the the bs out of the way if you want to introduce yourself who you are what you do all that fun stuff Sure. So my name is Blake. I uh, drift in the East 10 Pro-Am series and I do some local events around Atlanta and I drift a Turbo LS E36 Coupe. Gotcha. And then we had you on earlier in this year. So if anybody wants to go listen to that episode, I believe it is epic. Hang on. I was actually listened to it earlier for about an hour and then I got tired of hearing myself talk. Uh, <laughs> that one's episode 14. Um, I just I needed to like recap of where we left off. Uh, so we had you on earlier. That was before you decided. Oh, that was when you decided you were going to compete for this season. And you guys have finished your season with East Ten Drift, correct? Yeah, yeah. So the whole pro am season's over. Okay. So, what did you actually end up placing overall? Uh, I think um, I'm somewhere between 12th and 14th, but uh, they haven't released the points yet, I don't think. Or at least I haven't seen them. And I was 14th uh, before the fourth round. And then I think I moved up a little bit, but, you know, I'm not really sure. I'm somewhere in there. Yeah. You know, sometimes I've noticed is that they won't do the last one for whatever reason. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, like guess, last you know, year, you the know, Drift League never released it. Third, but... Huh? Oh, really? Yeah, it's just like once they get to the last one, they're like, fuck you guys, you're done. (laughs) I know they had had an event like the weekend after that, so Uh maybe maybe they're just a little delayed. Yeah, that's Uh, It's been a couple weeks now, but I don't know, maybe they'll release it, who knows. They usually send out like uh, emails a few weeks later and, you know, recap what happened and what's going on in their plan. Maybe this time they'll, they'll talk about their plan for 2020, I'm not sure, so maybe they'll still email. Yeah. So? But yeah. Overall, so, uh, what what did you learn this year? Oh man, I learned a lot. I learned a whole lot. Um, you gotta give me specifics, learned, man. <laughs> the first thing I learned was don't take it so seriously, because man, it was stressful in the beginning. And then, uh, you know, the your your headspace like makes a huge difference. And if you're all stressed out and you're trying to do well, and you know, you're thinking about everything that could go wrong. You're just not going to drive well at all. So that was the first thing I learned. Second thing was don't grip your car up. <laughs> don't bother. Because, like, everybody, I mean, I made the same mistake. It's basically you hear everybody say not to do it. I made, like, every single one. And, uh, you know, I tried to grip my car up like crazy. And, you know, I have a lot of horsepower. 
but man, was it hard to drive. Like in the beginning, it was so hard to drive my car. And uh, Was that just a reflection like a, of you and your driving, or was that possibly the the course layout? Uh, a little bit. So, you know, no, well, the course layout was quite a bit different from like the local events. So doing the bigger turns and things were kind of, you know, harder to stay in drift, especially on like really big sweepers. Okay. So like our first, our first round is at Nashville Super Speedway which has a really big sweeper with like a hundred mile an hour entry and the speed didn't get to me so much, but trying to keep the car sideways and wide on the sweeper was really difficult. And I found that if I had a lot of practice, I could really dial it in, but there there's basically like no practice. Like you get like five or six laps and then you're, qual- you're into qualifying. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta be able to like throw it down off the trailer, which, you know, to me means loosen it up and, and throw down a better run rather than trying to go wicked fast. Okay. But, um, what was I going to say? But yeah, my driving wasn't up to par either. So, like, uh, I got out there and, um, you know, did you think you were like, I'm going to fucking kill it this year? No, I really didn't think I was going to kill it, but I thought I had a pretty significant advantage. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, everybody says it and that's really not the case. And I kind of, you know, I knew that going in, but I kind of thought, you know, I'm going to be able to put the power down and go fast. And my car was really fast when I got it right. But, you know, if you're really fast in the lead and your car straightens when you're trying to follow somebody else, then it doesn't really matter. Yep. <laughs> so that's exactly what was happening. Like the first half of the year was I, my car was wicked fast when I got it right. But then I try to follow somebody. And if I fell out of boost or if I slowed down for like any reason at all, the car would straighten up and I'd be like, well, that's it for that. Yeah. And then uh, if you want to go over your your car real quick one more time. For sure. the people. So I have a I have a. Like a fully built LS motor, um, an iron block LS, so it's actually like an LQ9. It runs E85 and a 75 millimeter turbo, and I'm putting down 700 horsepower and 700 foot pounds of torque. And uh, transmission is JK40 out of a 370Z, and rear end is actually just a stock welded E36 rear end. Okay, and then what uh, angle kit, like suspension, are you on? Uh, BC Longstroke BRs for the coilovers, uh, SLR angle kit with uh, the SLR top plates now. You know, I had somebody ask me to ask about, um, like, tow rig and trailer setup. What do you got going on? I have a 2016 F-150 3.5 EcoBoost that I tow a 24-foot enclosed trailer with. No problems? Not even a little. I mean, I go through the mountains in Tennessee, and it's no problem at all. I mean, the biggest issue is fuel mileage, which is like when it's like fully loaded with five guys in the car, it's uh, right around like eight or nine miles a gallon going through the Tennessee mountains. So that's the biggest issue, but it's got a pretty big fuel tank. It's 36-gallon fuel tank, so hmm. I can make it to where I'm going, which is nice. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, so – what was like your first competition day like for you? Like, what were your expectations? What, you know, what was that slap in the face that you were expecting that you weren't expecting rather? <laughs> okay. So the first competition day and I was, I was in another world cause I had prepared for, um, I had prepared for the season like really hard. Like I, I mean, I went as far as making extra AN lines for like every line of my car. I mean, I had all the extra parts that I thought would fail Anything that I thought might happen, I kind of tried to prepare for. So when I got there, you know, I'd spent so much time 
like preparing and getting the trailer ready and getting ready to do this, that it was just really stressful. And like, I felt like I had a lot of pressure on me because like I had a team there for the first time and I had to manage what they were doing. And it was, it was really stressful. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure. And then, you know, I got in the car and I just kind of started driving and, um, actually I did okay for not, you know, I mean, I qualified, so that's good. A lot of people were having trouble actually linking the track because it was raining. So you'd have to, like, get off throttle, like, halfway through the sweeper because you enter so fast. And, uh, you know, just wait to get around this 180 at the end of it. And uh, so a lot of people were having trouble with that section. I was having trouble with that section, too. But I ended up linking it and, you know, qualifying. And then I went into competition. And my – oh, so at the end of qualifying, I tore all the teeth off second gear. Because it was like patchy, mm-hmm. so I guess I was hitting some dry spots, and I, I must have been in a boost or something, and tore all the teeth off second gear. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm going first or third. And uh, that's not an awkward I went, shift. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it was terrible. Not when and you're I, trying I to go a, fast. <laughs> well, I had a two nine three rear end, so I have to get into boost. So I have to wait through first gear and then get into third, where I'm going to drop out of boost. And there's no second to stay in boost. So. Um, I get in the third and I initiate in the sweeper and third gear, let's go. And I run right through a tire wall. <laughs> so oh, I destroyed like the whole side of my car. Like my transmission's destroyed. I'm like, well, that was, that was fun. That was a good day. And, uh, I got back and I was watching videos and noticed my turbo. Well, my car was like puffing smoke off throttle. So I knew it needed a turbo. So after the first round, I mean, I did, I had my clutch rebuilt. I had a new transmission in it and a new turbocharger on it. What clutch are you running? Just out of curiosity. Um, let me think. It's an ACT pressure plate with uh, Collins clutch, but it's been rebuilt by Clutch Specialties now with some harder pads on it. Yeah. I, I it's really... like a Sprung six-puck clutch. Oh, you're not like on a twin disc of any kind or triple disc or anything? Just a single... Six buck? Nope, just sing. Yeah, just single six buck. Damn, it's been it's been holding up pretty good, but it definitely needed to be rebuilt. Yeah, I because uh, my mind blew up, and then I'm starting to think like like it lasted so long, just fine until it didn't, and then it just blew everything to hell. But I think that happened to yeah had to do with like my um, my flywheel because it was like a old cast flywheel like when i did the research for my setup i looked for like muncie 2 ls specifically and i found some like old ass write-up in 2016 and that old ass write-up was like yeah you get like a 4.8 uh truck flywheel from like a 99 and then you throw a 69 chevelle clutch on it and it bolts right in so that's what i went with and i fucked myself royally at the end well it might it might not have been actually it's crazy that that happened to you because i saw that happen to you and then um one of my friends he has a 240 and was at grid life and it happened to him oh i think i talked to him and it went through his his uh uh, firewall right yeah went through his transmission tunnel and hit the guy in the passenger seat yep and broke his toes or something like that yeah yeah Dude, that's fucking crazy. See, I was, I was like, you barely ever see this happen. I've seen it twice Wait, this year, and now dude, I'm like, oh, maybe I need a shatterproof bell housing. Yeah, you, you do, <laughs> man. You do. And then I, I had one, but that blew off. So, I don't know. I, I'm starting yeah. to, I want to drive again, so I'm not going big, crazy horsepower. So I might just get something inexpensive now and probably spend a little bit more money on the flywheel. So if I like, 
it does happen again. It's not a cast fucking iron one that blows apart and blows everything off. I can get like an aluminum one or something. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. I was looking at um, like the Kevlar blankets you can get for like your transmission and stuff. I'm yeah, like, get one of these. Yeah, because uh, but see, then it just built snowballs comes into effect, and then you're like not getting any seat time because you're blowing all your money on new shit. Yeah, yeah. So that that was uh, that was basically so that was basically the whole season is blowing money on new shit. Oh, <laughs> serious, me. dude? That's what I yeah. do not want to do. Like, I want this car to yeah, just so, run, and so I can get, like, as much fucking seat time as possible. Yeah, so that's that's what I wanted to do. And I spent, uh, on the first podcast, I talk about how I spent, like, a whole prior year testing the car and stuff. Yeah, I remember and, that. Uh, the stresses that are on the car in Pro-Am are so much higher than what they're on, like, at a local, like, tight track. And, uh, I mean, when you're... Even if you drive like, hard. Gear, yeah. Yeah, even if you drive hard, I mean, there's no... Unless you're clutch kicking fourth gear from like a dead stop, I don't see, and you have like real, you know, serious tires on it. I don't see the force that you're, you're exerting on it like, in pro am or on the big tracks, I should say. Yeah. So that that hit me by surprise, and a lot of things failed that I didn't expect to fail. Like one thing was uh, I have a, like a really weird reducer on my turbo outlet to my intercooler from the turbo to the intercooler. Okay. And it's like a three and a half down to a two and a half, forty-five degree elbow. And it just wore out. Like, it just became, like, soft. Oh. And it, it started, like, slip expanding? out of the clamp. Oh. Yeah, it was, like, expanding, but it was also slipping out of the clamp. And it would slip out of the clamp on the bottom, so you couldn't see it. And then when you go into boost, you'd only make about five pounds because you got a huge leak underneath. And what else failed? I had a bunch of weird stuff. But that was one of them. And, um... I just felt like, you know, every, after every round, I had something very serious to fix. So, oh, my fuel. So I had a like a two and a half inch wire fail. <laughs> it failed because it, it was actually the wrong gauge. It was one gauge too small. But what, it what, had like lasted like 18 what? months. It was on my, um, it was actually uh, from the fuse to the relay that powered my ECU. So... <laughs> It was this like tiny little wire that just happened to like be too resistive and pop the. It just kept popping the fuse, oh, like shit. eighteen months after I put it in there. Hey, you're on stock ECU, right? Yeah. Yep. Wh- which one are you on? Are you on the Gen Four I or the Gen Three? Well, it's a Gen Three. It's a red and red and oh, blue connector okay. ECU. Because yeah. I'm I getting think it's the five ten. Yeah, I'm getting rid of uh, the four ten. The P fifty nine. I'm getting rid that's of mine. Yeah, well, not anymore. I had to go since I'm going LS2. That's Gen Four, and everyone's like, oh. just buy the. Uh, they Lingenfelter makes like a um, this little device that kind of signals. It moves since the cam sensor is now in the front, and then the reluctor wheel is different. Mm-hmm. It kind of. I can't. Think of, I, I, I know what word. you're talking about because it converts uh, it. It converts it so the P the P59 can read it. Yeah. But that thing's like yeah, so. 250, and then I was able to get um, a gas pedal, uh, ECU wiring harness, and the uh, a ported throttle body for 350. So I was like, I'd rather just change everything up. Yeah, go drive by wire. Yeah, no, I already was. Oh, okay. 
But yeah, actually, I had to do the opposite because I got a LS9 cam, which doesn't have a trigger on the back of it. So I had to go to the front cam trigger, which means I had to change the reluctor wheel on the back from the 24 to the 58. So I actually heated up the reluctor wheel and like popped it off and popped a new one on and reassembled my engine. I was thinking about doing that, but then I was like, my dumbass luck. Yeah, I mean, I read up all about it, and they make a special tool to align it, but it's like 250 bucks, so I just I like, made some marks. <laughs> yeah, kind of, and then put my engine back together. Dude, that's ran. terrible. But it worked, right? <laughs> yeah, it worked twice. Do I had to do it twice. Oh, I shit. I did it once on a stock crank, and I did it once on a forged crank. Okay. Well, see. Good to so, know. Yeah, it worked out fine. Yeah, because I... my timing's a little advanced. Who knows? Right. Or retarded. I, I don't but, know how that works, but I would hope not. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't know the position, so... I mean, you could only be off, like, a half a degree if you if you met, even made any marks at all. So, okay, showing up to the track with uh, a pretty well-prepared car. Mm-hmm. How many cars were out there that, you know, aren't... aren't uh, how many cars out there that weren't as built as yours, so to speak, that were doing just fine without all the extra? I mean, quite a few. The guy that pitted next to me had like, uh, I think he had like a pretty well-built SR20 or something in his 240. And I mean, he did, I think he came in third. And uh, there was another guy there that actually was like building his his car in the pit, like overnight. And uh I think he did pretty well, actually. I think and a lot of people run, like, just truck motors with nothing done to them, and they do, I mean, they drive fine. Um, the guys that are consistently at the top, though, I mean, they they all had a lot of power. Um, guys like Nick Novak or Corey Misco, uh, not Corey Misco, the other Misco, Steve Misco. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the guys at the top, they were 2JZ. I mean, Nick Novak's got a Turbo S54, and... Uh, Third place kind of changed up, you know, some guys changed up a little bit, but the guys that were consistently at the top did have a lot of power. Oh, okay. That was just curious because I've seen guys with not as much power and they're still, you know, getting in the final four all the time. Yeah. I think, um, Matt, the Ginge was in our, in our, uh, league, I guess. And, uh, he was doing fine. I think, I don't think he had that much power. I'm not sure. Um, if he was running nitrous or not, but as far as I know, he had like a, a truck motor in his car. Yeah. So, so. there's a, I th- there's a John Schaefer out here. He drives a 240 with a 5.3. I think he's putting like 380 horsepower down, and he kills it. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Only, he would have got license this year too, but he crashed. Unfortunately, oh, okay. yeah, into the wall pretty bad. Yeah, you definitely don't need what I have to compete in pro am. That's for sure. Um, I'm, I, I really love to build things. So, and once I started building that, there was basically like no going back. So I just finished it. No, I agree but, uh, that there's just like that challenge of it, you know, and yeah. you kind of overcome that and there's always that satisfaction, but I'm pretty, uh, I would imagine that, you know, being able to stay out there consistently and competitive is probably a little bit more satisfying. <laughs> yeah probably it, it's really strange actually so i had a lot of great luck on events that weren't east 10 events so i drove a lot of events that weren't east 10 events and i drove pretty big events like i did sparks in the park and i did ls fest and i did import alliance and uh i was doing local events in between those 
And the car never broke. Like at any other event, it was fine. And uh, then it seemed just like every round the car broke. How was the competition at LS Fest? How'd you do? It was... I came in second. Oh, shit. All right. Who won? (laughs) And... um, What is it? uh, Taylor Hall. Oh, okay. Yeah, you so last pro year one too? guy. Yeah, I right know, right? Yeah, you won last year too. And there were a lot of Pro 2 guys out there, a lot of Pro-Am guys out there. And it's the weirdest thing because, you know, I think a lot of things swung in my direction to be able to get second place at that event. And, um, you know, I showed up alone. I didn't have my team. I didn't have anything. I just came with a truck and trailer and dropped off the car. And I was like, I was kind of just banking on getting knocked out early. And I, I didn't take it too seriously because of how many pros were there. And then I ended up doing really, really well. So, And that kind of gives you that like confidence boost, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. So I went into round four, like which was a week later, uh, two weeks later or something. And I was like, you know, I think I'm going to do real good at this event. And I actually, I did do pretty decently at the event. Yeah, but uh, I got knocked out by Tyler Berry, which was the way I should get knocked out. I mean, he drove better than I did, and he had a better lead than I did, so he should have won. And I'm happy to get knocked out like that instead of the car failing. Yeah, because that's it's just upsetting when that happens, when the car just stops working. Yeah. Yep. And uh, he's a great driver, too. So I think he missed his license by one point. Damn. Yeah, he came in fourth. And it, and it happened to be because of who won round four. So if, uh, if Matt Morganson had run one round four and Nick Novak had come in second, he would have got his license. But it went the other way around, so he didn't get it. Yeah, Nick Novak did really well too. And then I, ha- I think I had, yeah, I did have Tyler Berry on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, did Nick Novak win in two series? I know he did. He took Lone Star yeah. Drift. Did he take East Ten Drift too? Yep. Dude, uh, I that- think he came in second. I think he came in second. Dude, that's crazy. Like, um, so you know who Rome Charpentier is? Yep. Okay, so he, I think he won both championships at the Drift League and uh just drift last year and then this year he did really well until it rained in pro two he's like i have never touched that stuff (laughs) he wasn't even able to qualify but he probably would have taken it yeah i mean i've i don't know i'm not friends with him or anything but i've I've been watching him on pro two all the z36 guys have to stick together i know right there's a lot of z36s in pro two now yeah it's in it's crazy uh if you license, are you going to do pro too? Yeah, definitely. Okay, because I remember last last we spoke, you were like, ah, uh, not not sure. Yeah, like, I was on the fence about it before, but in comparison to how much I spent doing pro am this year, I might as well do pro too. Yeah, and then you know <laughs> your travel expense is uh, it's a little different because there's what. So you live in Georgia, right? Yeah, so I live just uh, northwest of Atlanta. So at least like two of your, two of the events are out there. Like if you were to go yeah, to Pro so Two, yeah. So I think the the furthest one was, oh, oh, okay, in Pro Two, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you were to, yeah. yeah, I mean this year they were all on the East Coast, weren't they? So that's not so bad. Uh but, no, uh I don't think so. Oh, I thought they were. Uh, I think well, yeah, I guess the Midwest is still technically closer to the East Coast than it is California. <laughs> the eastern side yeah eastern dude side of the US. Uh, i don't know yeah. how the california guys do it man they gotta go out to orlando atlanta 
And they they must leave the car out here somewhere. Uh, yeah, they yeah we had spoke about that. They do. They do do that. But oh, okay. I would imagine it's cheaper to like rent a spot for a couple months than it is for you to actually drive that thing back in fuel. Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah, but you know, then you're out of your car's nowhere near you, and your truck and trailer's gone. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and if anything breaks, you're going to have to find a shop that's willing to help you out, and now you live wherever the car is. Yep. So, <laughs> so uh, are you going to, obviously, since we just discussed that, assuming you are going to compete again next year, what is your plan? Um, so, first plan is to get my sponsorship proposal out um, and get the parts that I need to fix the car on the car, and hopefully sponsored. Um, second plan is to basically do the same thing I did this year. Um, try to drive as many this, this year I purposely targeted big events to kind of try to grow my program and stuff like that. And it actually worked really well. And, um, my program grew like exponentially. And, uh, now that I'm much more comfortable competing and I'm much more comfortable in the car, um, I think, you know, if I just do the same thing over and over, over again, it better, better start to work eventually. So um, but yeah, I, I mean, I have the same plan, just kind of do the East 10 Pro-Am series and whatever events I can between, um, this year I was able to, I did more drift events this year than I think I've probably done in the past, you know, probably three years at least combined. And, uh, at one point I was drifting like, you know, three times a month, which is insane because of how many tires I can burn in one event. So... I mean, it was it was crazy, but I plan to do the same thing again next year. What? How how many tires were you going through in an event? I know it, so it varies buying, depending on how far you get, but just on average. Actually, it vary it varies on how far you get, but it really varies on the track surface. So we went to like we went to Z Max Dragway, and uh, I mean, I think I went through six tires total. But then you go to Lanier, which is only an hour from my house. And you can go through, you know, you get four laps and you got to change your tires. So I was buying 20 tires per event. And then whatever I had left over, I was using for the events in between. And I think I had to buy, I think I had, I had four events and I think I bought 20 tires five times or something like that. So um, I went through a lot of tires. Yeah. And those tires ain't cheap. So I can nope. imagine. No, they're not. So, um, what uh, yeah, no, I think they're, they're we may not. have discussed this before. If you don't mind me asking, what do you do for a living? I'm an electrical engineer. Okay, I do remember talking so, about that. Yeah, so I um I finished college and was able to get a really good job here in Atlanta and that is able to fund all this. Yeah, I know. That's uh <laughs> hopefully how that works. Yeah, I mean I have I, like I got, no savings. Lucky. So <laughs> Yeah, well, mine's mine's getting depleted pretty quickly. So, <laughs> you know, the, honestly, you can do it for a lot less than I did. You just have to be willing to do more work, I guess. And I, I did a lot of work and saved money where I could, but I spent a lot of money doing pro am. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I'd imagine. Um, what would you say were yeah. most? If you don't, if you want to go into that, if you don't mind, what would you say if you threw a dollar amount out there? How much did you spend this year? You know, including every maybe. time, you're, maybe not getting your car ready before it, but throughout the season, how much money did you, you know, all together, yeah, tires, lodging, shit that broke? So, 
So I kind of budgeted like 15k, and I probably spent somewhere around 17k or 19k doing everything I did. Damn. But then I've seen people who spend I mean, way way less. Just kind of. Depends. Oh yeah, yeah. You can do it for way less. And like I said, I was drifting, you know, two to three times per month, and I'm including everything, not just pro am. So if I just did pro am, and you know, maybe that was only two thousand dollars per per event total. You know, then that's only ten, uh, eight eight thousand dollars. So, you know, but I broke a lot of shit, <laughs> and you know, I, I did a lot more events than I normally do, and most of it's probably in fuel for the truck, not the car. No, no, no I understand that. Yeah, and yeah. tires, obviously. Man, you, if you know, they say not to, but if you like knew how to like use your manage your money accordingly i think a lot of people can get like so much freaking cash back on their credit cards <laughs> yeah so i play all those i play all the points games and like i didn't have to pay for any hotels during the pro-am season see and, that's uh, that's what you know, you're i have a lot of cash back waiting yeah i have cash back waiting for me on my credit cards and i travel for work too so that stuff adds up and it's easy to do things like that okay see that this is just like little things that a lot of people don't think about, or maybe they do. Maybe they just don't discuss it. You know. Yeah, I mean, it it depends. If you travel for work, it, there's some really great travel cards out there, and you can really build points on everything. So if I buy dinner, that's the other thing. You know, I treated my, I, you know, not to say that other people treat their team badly, but I was really good to my team. So I was spending quite a bit in food and beer, and we were going out to dinner, and we were staying in hotels and things like that. So, um, you know, my team. I think my team had it pretty good, and. There's definitely ways to do it cheaper, no doubt. Yeah. Um, what are your plans for the car? Are you changing anything, or are you uh, just going to keep going with it? Yeah. So, actually, I wanted to just keep going with it, but my friend is selling his quick change setup for an E36, so I'm buying all that. And uh, I want to put nitrous on it, but... Uh, I've never heard of anybody having nitrous solve any problems on their car. Yeah, I was going to say, so what are you going to put nitrous do? on it for? <laughs> I just kind of want to do it to do it, honestly. <laughs> Dude, so do and, I. Uh, just to say you have it? <laughs> just to purge it at the line. I, I'm, uh, I'm in it. <laughs> like, I'm naturally aspirated running E85 for absolute no fucking reason. Because <laughs> this shit still gets hot. Oh, really? Uh, it's, it's poorly ventilated in the back where the radiator is, but... Or ducted, rather. It's not, you know, it's not really ducted too well. So I'm going to kind of get that all situated. Yeah, surprisingly, cooling my car has been the only thing that's been consistently good. The coolant, but the oil temperatures skyrocket. And to get the coolant temperatures down, if you rev it up a little bit, the oil temperatures go up. So I had to watch that all season. Ah, what do you, are you... What are you running for an oil cooler? I have like um, some 24-row oil cooler, but it's mounted. I had it mounted in the front and took it out twice on like a cone or a barrel or whatever I hit. And um, so I mounted it up uh, behind my strut tower, between my strut tower and my firewall. And then I cut a hole in the hood to vent it out. Um, and I put a fan underneath that. So actually, I, I think I actually have it set up to pull air through the hood and push it downward which is not the way you should try to push heat but that's how i have it set up now and um shouldn't you be pulling the heat out well i should 
the problem is if you pull the heat out, you're going to pull it through and the headers are right there. Mm. I had so yeah, okay. You could either pull cool air in and force it downward, you know, force the hot air that goes through the cooler downward into where the hot air from the headers is, or you could pull the hot air through it with the fan and force it out the hood. I was talking. So I have a, a really big vent on my hood, and I'm hoping that's actually where the heat's going. But who knows? I was I talking know. to uh, Rome actually at the last drift league event. And he was kind of going over the car. He's like, "Oh, you should change a couple things because I have a pusher fan on my um, on my oil cooler in front." He's like, "That should be a puller." He's like, "Cause you're kind of limiting the air that can actually hit the uh, the cooler itself." Yeah, right. Yeah, it's because your fan's in the way, right? Yeah. So I was like, yeah. "Good point." And I never thought about it like that. And people don't really openly discuss that. Mm-hmm. So I never like caught on to that. Yeah, I um, I mean, my radiator in the back is a polar fan with a big shroud on it, and it's all ducted through, so that works pretty well. Um, the oil cooler is also pulling through, but I could reverse it and push it through too if I want to. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, what are your plans this off season? Like, as far as you're going to be doing some driving, what's the deal? So I I don't know yet. Um, I know I don't want to take the BMW out in the off season, um, just because of the cost per lap. Basically, if I'm going to be driving, um, you know, now I should get for the cost of two events, I can basically get a party car and you know, party car somewhere. And uh, if I start driving in the off season, that's probably what I'll do. Um, but I don't really see myself driving too much in the off season, actually. Not that I don't want to, but and I probably should, but uh, I don't really see myself doing it. And then, um, yeah, I gotta. I mean, I'm gonna get the car up on jack stands and kind of take the motor out, take the interior out, clean everything, and uh, put it back together and make sure everything's fit and sound for the next time for next year. Are you going to go with the livery next year or anything, or are you just going to keep it the same way? Um, I'd like to do something a little more flashy, but uh, I haven't haven't thought about anything. Um, I'm working on sponsors for next year, so we'll see you know, what they want or what if they want me to put anything on the car. But um, I'm going to try to come up with something that's a little more flashy. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of liveries are you into? So I'm not really into like the the um, kind of the tribal looking ones that you see a lot. You see a lot of like uh, I guess they're not tribal, but like you see a lot of people do just like random spikes and lines around. I'm kind of more into like I guess square square artwork. <laughs> so am I. Um, I, I okay. So, something that looks more uh, I don't know futuristic rather than older. I guess. Yeah. But uh, I kind of want to tie in like what I do for a living into it somehow, but I don't want to put like lightning bolts all over it or something like that. So I really don't know. I'm, I'm not very artistic, so it would be tough for me to try to come up with one on my own. I definitely have to get somebody to design it. Yeah, I can see that. I went, I basically, well, I haven't put it on the car, but <laughs> I wanted to go with like a Cadillac racing livery. 
or at least a Cadillac racing inspired. And then Taylor Hole came out with his livery this year. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> it's funny you say that because the first thing I did when I thought about um, doing a livery was look up like the best liveries on historic race cars ever. So you see like the BMW art cars and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, okay, some of these could work. Or like, you know, the golf car, Marlboro cars or something like that. And uh, problem is a lot of them have been done like several times over. So. Yeah. It's, I it, Mine's still Cadillac inspired, so I'm going to keep it. But I was like, damn, I thought I was going to bring something fresh and new. And then he beat me to it because it's on the car. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend here that did a new livery for this year, and it looks spectacular. Um, but his car is pink, and it has flowers on it. So the first event we went to, it was the Forrest Wayne car. So, uh. <laughs> I mean, it looks spectacular, but you know, you don't want you want to be the first to do it. And Forrest had released his livery. He had actually done his livery before he saw Forrest, I think. But uh, he had released his livery like a couple weeks before the first event or whatever. So. Yeah, it's it. It kind of sucks sometimes. But. Yeah, but I mean, nobody really says that now, and it still looks spectacular. So, uh, you kind of want to be the first to do something new and original and unique, though. I can see that. What uh, what are you planning ahead for? next year as far as uh like to get ready what do you what do you guys kind of as far as the car goes or not necessarily the car you already kind of like just the way everything went this year is there anything like just your program in general what are you looking to improve on what are things you know you like you didn't like the way you kind of did them last year so you want to make sure you change it up for next year Mm. like me i don't have a solid team And I want to, I need to get that. Like that's right now. I I have my girlfriend. (laughs) Oh, okay. So I got very lucky. I have a very reliable team. Actually, the program really shaped up really well. I mean, I have a spotter, two mechanics, and my girlfriend is dedicated media for me. So she sets up the GoPros in the car. One of my sponsors requires certain videos of certain things. So she sets up the GoPros in the car. She takes all the photos and edits them afterward. And um, then the other three guys, you know, they've, they've been there every time. Um, the, the program itself has actually really shaped up very well. So I don't really have much to improve, I don't think. I mean, there's always somewhere I can improve. What I am going to do is uh, I'm going to try to pit on a Pro 2 team or Pro 1 team um, next year. So I'm going to try to do at least one or two events with a Pro team to see, to basically to learn. I I wanted to do the same thing, um, but no one's kind of like been like, "Hey, you want to help?" But then again, I haven't really reached out to people to do that. So, so I I didn't I, um, I didn't really reach out to anybody, but uh, somebody actually one of the guys. So I did need a sub on my team for the last round, and uh, the guy's name was Matt, and he um, helps Federico Sharifo. While he's in, when he's in Atlanta. So okay. I said, hey, you know, could you, could you help me out? Could you get in touch, you know, get me in touch with the right people to do that? And, like, the next day, he's like, yeah, you're in. No problem. And then uh, I met another guy at LS Fest named Jelani, who was an extreme help. 
I mean, out of everything that happened this season, meeting him was probably one of the best things. That sounds that name and, sounds uh, so familiar. Jelani Winston. Okay. He's, uh, I, he's been a spotter in FBE for like ten years, I guess. Okay. And uh, I'll get into I'll get into him after, but he said, you know, if you want to come help on uh, our team this year, you know, we can we can work into one of the events. I'm like, okay, that's great. That's what I want to do. And it was his idea. It was actually his suggestion first for me to do that. So uh, when I met this guy at LS Fest, I was by myself. You know, there's no phone service actually at Bowling Green, so I'm, I'm basically just sitting in a chair doing nothing when I'm not on track. And um, I'm, like, wiping my car down. I'm, like, looking at other people's car. And I met this guy, Jelani. And um, I was like, hey, man, could you, could you just watch my driving for, like, a lap or two and tell me what's going on? And Because uh, something, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to drive my car. So I did a couple laps, and I came in. And he's like, oh, yeah, so you can't stay on throttle. Every time you touch the steering wheel, your car becomes unsettled, and you can't stay on throttle. I'm like, man, I never, I never even thought I'd just stay, like, you know, shifting the weight to stay on throttle all the time and uh, how your front steering can actually affect that weight transfer. And basically every move that I made to try to fix that previously throughout the season only gripped up the front more and made it worse. Mm. So I made a ton of, I made a ton of changes to the front end. I didn't change the back end at all. And uh, I made a ton of changes to the front end throughout the season. Like at the beginning of the season, I was running a ton of caster and camber to get the self steer. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, it made my contact patch really bad. So I changed it. I took out all the caster and took out all the camber. So now I'm only running like three, three degrees of each and, uh, towed out and I used Ackerman to self-center and, uh, that gave my contact patch. I mean, that made a much wider contact patch and my, my kind of melting pattern on my front tires is much better, but, uh, and they weren't rolling over anymore, which is the biggest thing. Um, but it made my car really, really tight. And he was exact, I mean, he told me exactly what to change. He's like, change this, this, and this. And um, I'm like, okay. You know, and I, I very rarely just listen to people on a whim, but he, you know, I was talking to him earlier, and he really seemed like he knew what he was talking about. I mean, he's been spotting NFB for a long time, so he must. And uh, I made those changes, and my car was so much better. I mean, I talked to this, you know, I talked to this one guy, and I've been trying to do the same thing for, like, the past three months. And it was so much better. And all I, re all I really did was numb the front steering and uh, take side bite out of the back. And my car was so much easier to drive. And that was one of the biggest contributors to how I did it at LS Fest, I think. Nice. But so, hey, so uh, after the car was set up like that, I was a lot more confident. Had anybody else given you some like the same pointers and you just kind of blew them off? Um. Not going to so, lie, I've done so, that shit, so that's yeah, why I'm asking. So, I mean, a lot of things that that you can do to a 240, you can't do to an E36. There are a lot of things that work on one chassis, doesn't work on another chassis. So a lot of the insight I had been getting before was kind of that person's chassis specific, and I would try it, and it would, you know, make it worse, or, you know, they were running Wisefab, and I was running SLR, and I was trying to set up my my kit like a wise fab kit but i don't have you know uh a lot of kingpin offset so that doesn't really work either stuff like that and um i didn't really trust a lot of the things that came came my way but i didn't ignore them i mean it took them i took them with a grain of salt you could say okay but, uh he this guy was the reason i met him was i was looking at brandon graves twin turbo ls e92 and uh he was on his team for ls fest so 
um, you know, he knew he knew what he was doing with the chassis very similar to mine. So, and you know, I was like, I don't know, I needed to do something. It wasn't working. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice when those people are around. Um, I just wish I'd listen to people more often. I would probably be in a better position right now. <laughs> like, like, uh, well, just literally. When I was like, "Hey," I was I was talking to my dad. I was like, "Hey, the clutch is slipping." He's like, "Yeah, you should probably shut it down." I was like, "I'm gonna go for one more lap." <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I should have listened to him. But at least I listened to him about that stupid-ass fucking bell housing he was so adamant about when I was building the car. He's like, get a still bell housing. I was like, all right, whatever, just to shut him up. And it paid off, so... Yeah, I mean, your toes are fine, right? Yeah, well, it, they normally go <laughs> towards the passenger side, so... Oh, okay. Actually, I've heard that before, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, you know who? Uh, who's right-hand drive besides James Dean? Um, Kevin Lawrence. I think that... that that conversation came up one day and he's like, yeah, I think he said he didn't have a still bell housing, but apparently supposedly that's going to be a role for next year in FD. Oh, really? Supposedly. That's just, that's just a rumor though. Okay. And then supposedly that there's an FD pro M book now that we all have to abide by. Yeah. So there, I think there was a pro M book in 2019. But uh, East, it came out very late, so at least East 10 didn't follow it. They went by the rules from 2018. But uh, I've been looking it over for 2019, and um, two of the things I have to change are, A, I need a fire suppression system, and B, uh, I need a Hans device. They didn't say anything about a fire suppression system, um, not that I know of, but I, do, I, I was aware that the, the Hans device is going to happen. I'm pretty sure the fire suppression system's in there. If you I, the if, right I wouldn't doubt it. Like, website. look at how much fuel we're running. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. super important. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I mean. But damn, man, that's more shit I got to spend money on. Like, right there. Yeah. A, a fire suppression system and a Hans device. That's a thousand bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I can plug my sponsor if you want. I got a great sponsor named RJS Racing out of Florida that supplies that stuff. <laughs> oh no, you're always more than welcome to. Yeah, see, that's. Uh, did you get them? Did you get them on after the fact, or was that for next year? Uh, no, I got them for this year. I just got them after the first time that we talked. So nice. Um, we were talk. We were talking when uh, we did the first podcast together. Mm-hmm. But uh, it came to fruition after March, so after Port Alliance even. And uh, it, it worked out great. I mean, they, they really helped me out a lot. And they, you know, I got my suit and my arm restraints and basically all of my safety equipment through them. Oh, okay, sweet. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I need to get a new suit. Right. What the hell is going on over there? There's so much noise. Oh, you can hear that? It's my chair. Yeah. <laughs> it's like me shifting my weight in my chair and making all types of speed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it threw me off for a second. Sorry. No worries. What? So, what kind of sponsors are you going after this year? Like, as you said, you had some things that you wanted to take care of and upgrade. Um, yeah, so nothing's. Uh, I'm talking to a couple sponsors that 
I need to fix on my car, so I don't really want to talk about them until it's finalized. Oh no, not that. Um, what are you What are you trying to fix on the car? <laughs> oh, um, I need to control my boost better. So okay, that's a big giveaway. And uh, um, uh, I need to. I need some fabrication stuff. So <laughs> there's not very many suppliers of those two items. You can probably guess what I'm talking about. But uh, um, that's basically it. <laughs> Other than that, the, the types of sponsors I'm trying to talk to is anybody that targets the 18 to 34 year old demographic. And I'm shooting for cash, not products, which is super unlikely to actually come to fruition, I think. But yeah. that's. that's what I need. Yep. So even if it like um, just covers freaking, you know, your entry fees or something, that's. If you, if you give me a hundred bucks, you get your name on the car. So <laughs> I mean, anything else. But uh, yeah. So you know, that's that's basically what I'm targeting. Gotcha. And then you already put a a proposal to get. Jesus Christ! You are you wrestling a bear? I, I can't believe you can hear it. I'm just Dude. walking around my, my office. Yeah, I can hear all that. <laughs> You'll hear wow. it later. Jeez. Um, you just, like, sit on the couch. That doesn't make noise. Damn, I lost... Stay in this position? No. Yeah, oh, fuck. I've, I lost my train of thought. Forgot what I said. Um... Shit. Now I hear something else in the background. <laughs> so that's my dog. <laughs> oh, does um, he have a cough? Yeah, because... My, my dog does the same thing sometimes. Oh, really? Yeah, I had to put him on a diet. Uh, yeah, my my dog's 14, so diet's yeah. not going to help. Oh, what kind of dog is it? <laughs> Sorry, I'm a dog person, so... It's a, it's a King Charles Spaniel. Never. I got to Google that later. They're like little... uh. I mean, they're like forever puppy dogs. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Damn, you really made me... I lost my train of thought, and I was going to ask you something. Sorry, it was probably important, too. Uh, it might have been. <laughs> um, we were talking about sponsors. We were talking about um, targeting cash. We were talking about things like that. Yeah. Oh, that... have I put together my 2020 proposal, I think? Correct. Yeah, that was the question. Yeah. Yeah, so I finished that. And, uh, did you do it all? Did you do like a fancy yeah. one? Yeah, I made a fancy one. Um, did you actually, do... it took a really long time. Dude, me too. Because uh-huh. I, I had to. I don't know anything. First of all, I'm a terrible artist. Second of all, I don't know anything about creating art on a computer. And third of all, I don't want to pay for any programs. So I downloaded a program called GIMP, uh-huh. which is like a free Adobe Illustrator. Okay. And. It's really not user friendly, and I learned how to use it, and <laughs> was able to make a really, I think, a really nice proposal. Dude, and, I, uh, yeah, I did. I did something. So you had to do all the. You wrote everything up and stuff like that. Yeah, I wrote it. Yeah, everything. Yeah, I did the. Actually, there was one online a few years ago. It was um, Danny George's old one, and he released it. So I was like, cool. Now I know what they look like. Yeah, so I took some, you know, I had one that somebody else made for me last year, and uh, I took some inspiration from the one that they had made me. I found Danny George's, and then I found a very old Pro 2 um, sponsorship proposal from, like, uh, 
2014 or 2013 or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I kind of used all three of them to determine like what it should look like and what I should ask for and how I should lay it out and, uh, you know, what people are looking for. Yeah, I was actually able to see some factory 83 ones. And, oh, my God. I don't know what anybody's coming up with, but these are fucking nuts. Like, they're so good. I mean, even us, even, like, Danny George's is awesome. Uh, no, no, his That's is great. That's an old one. His is great, but you, when you see, like, the factory 83 one, you, you can see, like, um, someone's just, like, super into it. Like, they're who I don't know the person who does it, uh, but he does it really fucking well. And okay. I don't, I don't know what he's charging for that stuff, but I don't even want to find out because it looks super expensive. I've heard they can be extremely expensive. Yeah. And wait, and, what would you uh, consider extremely expensive? Like anything over a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's fucking ridiculous. I got lucky. Yeah, I've I've heard they can be like closer to like, you know, six thousand dollars. Yeah, I just got they just at my old job because I changed jobs recently. Um, I ha- I called the IT guy. I was like, "Hey, do we have like Microsoft Office?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Let me add you. Hang on." In like five minutes, I had PowerPoint. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I was like, "Dude, fucking tits!" And I kind of just went off of. I basically used their um, like their stock templates that they have, mm-hmm. and I just used like a different one for each page. So I ended up Is- having it. Yeah, I ended up having to do like, you know, for like my uh, my cover one and then I used a different template for the other one and I would have to save them individually and then throw them into um, Adobe so I can create like one consistent um, PDF like file assembly thing. So I kind of have like five pages or six pages or whatever. I forgot how many it is. Um to keep it all together so when i send it to someone they can flip through the pages but they all look different so it looks like i was you know trying hard but i just used the stock <laughs> stuff and then i just kind of played with the colors yeah if you i mean if you have something that shows that you put some some work in and um shows what your plan is and shows who you are you know i don't think the artistic side is so important until you get higher up um especially if you don't have like solid metrics to go to show like your advertiser or whoever's going to advertise with you and whoever wants to use you for marketing. I've seen like solid metrics, but I've seen some, some of the ones I've seen, um, they don't really kind of have a big, their met, like their actual metrics on them as far as like, uh, how many account views they're getting, like an average account view, uh, their average likes per photo or something like that. They just kind of list how many followers they have, I noticed. At a, like a pro-am level or like a pro-one level? or Pro-one level. Really? Yeah. Because I haven't really seen too many. In fact, I haven't seen any pro-one uh, I've seen two. Proposals, but I have... I have been told that they do have all those metrics. And then maybe, but maybe that's why. Maybe that's something they should have then. But I feel, I mean, but I'm like, mine are so low. I don't want to tell them. Huh? You do have metrics (laughs) on yours? 
I put metrics on that, yeah. Yeah, because like, I even have the podcast as part of it, because it is a part of it. Like, I'm going to talk I, about that. I put my YouTube on it. I have literally 16 subscribers and lists that I have 16 subscribers for my YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's... But, uh, I mean, I have a YouTube, and I don't know, it's better than last year. <laughs> right, right, last year yeah. I had two subscribers, now I have 16. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you so. increased over, what, like... <laughs> A thousand percent, almost. <laughs> yeah, right? Not so bad. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, my followers increased by 50% this year. Oh, really? On Instagram, at least, oh, okay. yeah. And then um, on Facebook, I don't think they grew that much, but they grew a bit. Dude, and... oh, dude speaking of Facebook, uh, I don't know if people are getting, like, an invite to like my page. And I hope not. Like, that's, I would never ask somebody to like my page. But I don't even know how to turn that off if you can. Like, if you want to go for it, you go for it. But not, I'm not going to sit there and, like, hey, please like my page. You're getting a lot of unprecedented a lot of unprecedented likes? Uh, Not a lot, but I just noticed, like, I'll get a random one, like, after me and someone else. Like, I accept a friend request or someone accepts mine. No. And I'm like, Lately, I found that people I don't know are liking photo, like, very old photos on my personal, like, my not my... Not my racing page, my actual page. Oh, dude, that's another thing. I've been getting, like, there was a group on Facebook that was created recently. And since that day I joined that fucking group, it's called uh, Drift Car Builders. My shit has oh, been yeah, going fucking off on friend requests. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe it's that group. Maybe dude, I'm telling you, it's got to be. <laughs> but it's Justin's. I don't know if you know Justin. Um, He's been on the show before. The, um, he owns a shop. Yeah, he owns uh, After Justin, Hours. Yeah. yeah. He's one of the few guys that might still be on Bimmer Forms. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah, was it like four? <laughs> He's one of them? <laughs> yeah, there's like six of us that I swear are keeping the lights on. Um, I'd love to, getting back to the proposal, you know, I'd really love to make a YouTube video about how to make a proposal because I think a lot of people are wondering. Uh, but I don't, at the same time, I don't want to just have, you know, 8,000 copies of my proposal out there. I was thinking about doing changed. something similar <laughs> and, and I was going to create a new one with like, uh, and just come up with a, a, basically you need like a bio, you know, um, come up with like a, one for George Washington. I don't know. We'll just fucking use that as an example. I was thinking about making one like that and just kind of putting it out there so people would kind of have an idea. But it's not necessary, like, I just don't want to put wrong information out there because I've done that before in the past. And I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, right. So, yeah, that's the other thing, right? Who knows if, I mean, my proposal may have worked for me, but maybe this plan doesn't work very well at all for anybody else. Yeah, and then I get some asshole who's like, you told me to write this. I'm like, I didn't tell you to do shit. You told me to write this. I've never done anything. and Nobody wants to sponsor me. I don't get it. Yeah. So. So. I think uh, you know the main thing to a proposal is to have a record of doing things. So like, <laughs> like a lot of people come out strong at the beginning of the season, then a car breaks and they can't do anything else. But if you made it to you know twenty events in twenty nineteen, your twenty twenty proposal should reflect those events and you know, how you did and who was there. Yeah, and then even some grassroots guys have proposals, and I'm like. And, like, they literally have on their proposal thing, like, racing program. I'm like, you're not racing. <laughs> yeah, that's not right. Um, 
they shouldn't be doing that. And honestly, I think that you definitely need, you need to be in a series. Even if you're not racing to win, you need to be in a series to have a proposal, I think. No, I wouldn't say that. It's just like I, I get there's a there's a lot of like a heavy influence for grassroots guys who are kind of like, you know, with the big name. Mm-hmm. And I understand they're going to go after yeah, sponsors, I, too. Yeah, that's different. So if, if like um, Nate Hamilton's a good example, I think. Yeah. He's not competing, but man, he's got a lot of online presence, that's for sure. Yes. Yes, definitely. But he, he, I mean, he's already got, I mean, he is like a great target to market things, right? He's got a lot of followers. He does a lot of events. Yeah. He doesn't have to be competing. Everybody already knows about him. Yeah. My biggest thing right now is trying to figure out, like, how do I really get someone like a return on their investment? I mean, that's kind of thing I'm struggling to figure out myself until I physically like actually do it and figure out, oh, this is how it works then I think I kind of get the ball rolling. But until then... So there are a lot of... So that's one thing I learned this year. There are a lot of ways that you can actually provide a return on investment for your sponsors that aren't directly sales. I mean, obviously, directly sales are the best way. But some of the things my sponsors have asked of me for 2019, I would have never thought that is something they actually want. You know, I I just feel like... a the simple tag on Instagram isn't doing a whole lot. No, that's I feel like not, I could do more. Enough. No. Yeah, you can do more. I mean, you can make after reports of every event you go to. You can make videos and you can give them the raw data so they can make videos out of those videos. I mean, there's a lot you can do. Yeah. Um, um I've had the, also had the experience besides, where they don't get back to me about that stuff. And it, yeah, so and it may have like too. ruined me to not do that for other sponsors. Yeah. I mean, which isn't uh, a good excuse, but it's what I got. (laughs) I think if you have a serious sponsor, you what you expect from each other should be laid out in the beginning, and it should be very clearly understood what each of you is expecting. Yeah, that's the that's the plan for this year. Is I'm trying to be more communicative. Yeah. So I mean, if they don't get back to you and they they say, "Hey, we'll give you this discount, and all you have to do is tag us on this and tag us on that." And use these hashtags, and just do it. Yeah. If they don't, if, if you say you want to give more to them, maybe you can provide it to them if you want, and then they can use it if they want, or maybe they won't. And maybe then twenty twenty one comes around, and they're like, "Hey, we loved everything you did this season." You know, yeah, uh, and then you, you did, but they didn't share like a single photo of yours. <laughs> yeah, right. So actually, I have, I have one like that that didn't share anything, or um, you know, didn't. I had no communication with them. And uh, we were pretty communicative in the beginning, but trailed off. And uh, I don't know. We'll see if they're interested in next year if they come to me. Or, yeah, because when it, sometimes like like after an event, I'll send some stuff, and then I won't even get a response. So I'm just like, oh, well, fuck me then. Yeah, that's kind of. That's what um, it feels. That's what it feels like. It's de- not demotivating. Yeah, exactly. And that's I think, yeah. I think you're still supposed to do it though. <laughs> I think that's where I'm. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm learning. I, I agreed to do it in the beginning of the season, so I'll just keep on doing what I agreed to. Yeah, so that's... Whether, whether they're reading it or getting back to me, I mean, that's that's not my half of the agreement. Yeah, like, at least I... And, and I BCC'd myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I know they got it. Yeah. So... Wow. All right. Um. We are... 
At about an hour, man. Which I've been kind of keeping them at an hour, so I don't keep people too long sometimes. Some people want them longer. I don't, I don't know yeah. why. I'm like, I mean, I'd listen to myself. If you got more to ask me, go for it. I I, you know, actually, hang on. I got it's one question. Maybe we got another one. Hang on. Uh, we kind of spoke about it earlier, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Uh, where are we at? What the hell? Wrong Instagram. All right. So I'm going to... It's just OMSR81. That's the dude's name on Instagram. Uh, He asked, how much horsepower is the absolute minimum, especially in East 10? Does anyone daily their Pro-Am car? I don't know anybody that dailies a Pro-Am car. Um, I mean, the minimum horsepower is whatever you bring. I think the minimum horsepower I probably saw, maybe 350, um, somewhere around there. A stock truck motor, somewhere around 350, right? Um, but there weren't many guys that low. And I, actually, I did another podcast where I said I didn't see that many guys under 500 horsepower. And I sh- probably shouldn't have said that because there are a lot of guys under 500 horsepower. Um, but oh, I put I my foot in my mouth guy, all the fucking time. Yeah. There, uh, from what I do see, there is uh, the guys in the top 10 are usually over you know, four or 500 horsepower, somewhere around there. Okay, so come a little prepared. Yeah, I, would, it, I mean, I see. It's I would better say like to be consistent. Four hundred is like a super solid number, though. Yeah, I think it's perfectly feasible to do a four hundred. I think if you know, I honestly think that a fully built SR might not be enough. But you know, I say that now, and maybe somebody comes out next year with a fully built SR and wins. And they're gonna know. shit all over you for saying that. Like... <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think the limit of a fully built SR is like four hundred, right? So or four fifty. Are you doing? Sure. Are you doing uh, East Ten again next year? Yeah, I'll do East Ten again next year. Um, I haven't decided if I'm going to focus more on shootouts than um, kind of bigger audience event events. So, like, this year I specifically sought after bigger audience events to kind of grow my program. Um, I have oh, decided smart. I'm to do shootouts instead. Yeah. I, um, like, I specifically did Import Alliance. I specifically did LS Fest. I specifically did an event called Sparks in the Park, which is actually a fireworks show for a town near my house. Okay. <laughs> it, it's at a racetrack, and they do drifting. It's the only day a year they can do drifting because they have sound ordinances. Um, I also applied for grid life over and over and over again, and unfortunately was declined to drive, but hopefully next year. And, uh, um, I, I specifically sought after bigger audience events, uh, this year. So next year, um, I'll probably do either the same big audience events or, you know, cut one out and go do a, a shootout or something like that. I want to do a shootout so bad. I need to. <laughs> I, I just did do one, but I don't want to, like, I would fucking hate if I got there and then, like, my car wasn't, like, up to par. And what yeah, I mean by up to par really is, like, it's a risk. pile of shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think a lot of people show up with all sorts of different cars. Honestly, if um, I had the money, I would just do pro- I would just do those shootout events. Like, just yeah, all of I them? Think, um, just to do the traveling and then drive with, I, like, so many skilled drivers out there? Yeah, I, I totally would do... If I had the money, I would totally just do shootouts. Um, but only because I've already done a whole season 
So, like, at the beginning of this season, I was kind of against shootouts, and I thought that everybody should have to do a full program through Pro-Am. But uh, now that I've already done one, and, you know, the fact is that you can up your chances, you know, tenfold by just doing shootouts, right? There's not just three licenses. There's three licenses per shootout. If you go to four shootouts, it's 12 licenses available. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you spend more for the entry, and you spend more traveling. But if you cut everything else out and just do shootouts, I mean, that's probably your best bet of getting them for a two license. Yep, that's what uh, that's what I'm thinking. But I, I don't have the money like that, like the travel. Yeah, I mean, I think they're like seven fifty to enter, right? Yeah, there's and then yeah, I think they're all seven fifty. I don't think one's over that. Um, and the the closest one to me is like twelve hours away. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's that's a big expense. And, you know, I, I think about it, and if I, you know, I did really well in Fest, and if that happened at a shootout, I'd have a Pro 2 license. Yeah, that's, you just need that <laughs> you know, one that's a, fucking that's, spur of that's luck. That's the truth of it. Yeah, right, that's the truth of it. And, uh, you know, or I could compete four times in East 10 and spend the same amount of money, or, well, actually a lot more money, and, you know, coming forth by one point. Yeah, so see, the, and then that's what I'm also on the fence about. Like, you get more bang for your buck if you go to a shootout. Yep. Like any everybody likes enjoys traveling to a certain extent. I don't I personally don't really care to spend my money on it. Um mm-hmm. like for vacation shit cuz I'd rather spend my money on my car, but you know, anytime I've gone somewhere, I've always enjoyed myself. I've never not I never been I've never not been had satisfaction from it. So yeah, I mean, I love being there in new places. Like yeah. traveling for drifting, that was the furthest I've ever, ever traveled was this year for drifting. And I really loved being in all these new places, but man, the drive back is killer. I mean, we drove back, uh, I think the first round when we drove back from Nashville, I mean, everybody was asleep in my truck and I'm falling asleep driving the thing through the mountains. I mean, it was just a bad situation. So every time after that, we were staying Saturday night and driving home Sunday, that's for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to touch base on? Um, I mean, no, if you don't have any more questions, I, I think uh, we covered it. Um, covered everything that I have to say, I guess. Just like to thank all my sponsors for 2019. I mean. It was, it was a, I, you know, even though I didn't do so well in Pro-Am, I think it was a great season and I did more drifting than any other year. I mean, it, and my driving got better 10 times over. So uh, I don't think there's any way to get to, to increase your uh, ability other than doing a Pro-Am season. So I'm pretty satisfied in 2019, even though I didn't do so great in, in the East 10 series. Will you do at least one shootout if you can? Yeah. I mean, I'll do the one at VIR. That's the closest one. I think I'm going to try to do one. Too. I think that's like the ultimate goal is to run, you know, the Drift League and do one shootout. Um, and if I could swing it, also run Just Drift. But I think is, tires... Is just, are... huh? is just Drift a licensing series too? Yes. Oh, okay. So you'll do two licensing series and a shootout. So that's, I mean, that's pretty good odds, too. I mean, it's good odds if you do well. 
Yeah, I mean, you have to do well no matter what. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's the one thing you can't get away from. Unfortunately. <laughs> like, can you I can't. just get like a participation? Well, actually, I mean, I guess you could. Well, you could part. You could. Um, you could uh, petition to be in Pro Two. Uh, a lot of people do, and I, I don't think I want to go that route. No, I don't. I don't think I want to do that either. And it, it seems to me that it's more money to do the same thing. Yeah. And then just, you're going to spend a lot more money. And I feel like the, the letdown is far bigger when you don't do that. Well. That's what I mean. It's a, it's a bigger risk. So if you petition into Pro 2 and you don't, quote unquote, you know, earn a license, not to say that that's the only way to do it. But if you go into Pro 2 and you have your first competition series in Pro 2, it costs a lot more to learn the lessons. So. Alrighty then, man. All right. Thank you for coming on. Uh, you have a good night, sir, and best of luck to you. I'll keep in touch. No problem. Yeah, you too. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, bye. Bye.